This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Stand with Anne Dunphy. Now, it's been a massive and turbulent week for the world, most of it caused by Vladimir Putin, who announced that he was going to escalate the conflict between Russia and the West by bringing 300,000 more troops, reservists, into the conflict, and also by holding what are really fake referenda in four provinces in Ukraine, which will result in, first of all, not many people being able to vote, but it will result in those four provinces declaring themselves to be Russian. Therefore, they will be regarded as Russian territory. And of course, if the West or NATO was to commit any acts of war in these provinces, they would be regarded as attack on Russia. Mr. Putin did not rule out anything and implied that nuclear weapons were on the table. And he ended his speech by saying that he wasn't bluffing. We're joined now by Niall Stanich from Washington. Niall is the associate editor of The Hill, a very respected Washington newspaper and White House columnist for the paper. Niall, as well as Mr. Putin's upping of the ante in Ukraine. President Biden also came to London for Queen Elizabeth's funeral, and he had to make a speech yesterday at the annual meeting of the United Nations. It's been a busy week. Mm. In terms of Putin's threats, how engaged are the American people by this conflict? For us in Europe, it is very front and center of our concerns because we're directly affected by the energy issue. How front and center is it with American people by and large? And how did they how did they respond to Putin's announcements yesterday? So there are a couple of ways of answering that. Firstly, I think that in broad terms, the American people's engagement with the conflict has actually been a bit higher and a bit more sustained than I thought it might be at the very start. 
Um, the American public, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but their record of being interested in wars in which they are not directly fighting, U.S. troops are not on the front line, tends to be quite limited. But yes. in fact, there has been, a, as I say, fairly sustained interest in this conflict. Um, now, I had felt, and I think this was reflected in the level of media coverage it was receiving, that there had been a bit of a tapering off during those months where it had seemed quite an attritional conflict, uh, particularly in eastern Ukraine. The Ukrainian counter-offensive got a good deal of uh, attention here and did ch- seem to change um, the narrative of the war, for want of a better term. And it also uh, buttressed the case made by politicians here who favor uh, continued and greater aid to Ukraine. The U.S. has given about $15 billion, um, yes. to Ukraine. Um, now, as for Mr. Putin's threat regarding nuclear action, my sense looking at both American media and European media is that that was maybe uh, had more of a sensational impact in Europe, perhaps just because of the physical proximity. It was certainly news here. Um, President Biden had just prior to that warned in a CBS interview at the weekend of consequential effects if Russia were to use non-conventional weapons or something like that. But the specific nuclear comments or nuclear-related comments that Putin made on uh, Wednesday didn't seem to get quite the same traction here as they did on your side of the Atlantic. Now, Biden has, in my view, and in the view of many people, I think, in Europe, he has successfully galvanized NATO and led America in terms of support for Ukraine and condemnation of Putin in very, very clear and unambiguous terms. He made a speech to the United Nations yesterday, for example, which was clear, relatively rhetoric-free, and telling it as it is. Mm-hmm. In in quite a very impressive way, people talk about Biden's frailty, and undoubtedly it exists, but this wasn't frail. This mm. was a guy speaking with conviction and using the English language effectively. Does he get any brownie points for that? He, I think, may get brownie points in a sort of slightly broader or more nebulous sense. To your point, I agree with you that that was an impressive speech. And it also plays to Biden's strengths because not only has he been around a long, long time, he has always had an interest or an engagement with foreign affairs. He was, uh, in during his long career in the Senate, was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee at one point. And he knows a lot of world leaders personally, partly because of his own longevity on the political scene. That gives him, I think, a level of comfort on the world stage yes. um, that can be quite impressive. And I think he may get brownie points, albeit perhaps not all that many of them, but some for representing the United States in a in an obviously uh, competent, uh, straightforward, clear way, which, as we have said before, is not something that could be said about his predecessor. Is it ever reflected on where you are, Niall, that, thank God, Donald Trump wasn't president? Because people <laughs> around where I am have that sentiment very much in front of their mind. I mean, Mm. it is important that the West has a leader. Mm. It is important that 
the only country capable of being that leader in all kinds of ways, militarily and economically, is the United States of America. It is the world power in the West. It would be troubling to think that Donald Trump was in charge. It would, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is that he has a tendency to disdain uh, multilateral organizations and, and multi, multilateral relationships generally. Um, you know, he, he talked about withdrawing from NATO at some stage, didn't he? Or he, saying he, it was worthless? He, he, did. He, was, he was certainly very skeptical of NATO, complained that other countries weren't paying their fair share, but more generally seemed, I think, dubious about the value of that alliance full stop. So, in that sense, he would have been both temperamentally and politically very ill-equipped to to create a uh, the kind of coalition that Biden has taken the lead in uh, creating and in coalescing around him. The more specific issue, of course, Eamon, is also Mr. Trump's relationship to uh, Vladimir Putin yes. and to Russia, generally speaking, even in the days immediately preceding the Russian invasion back in February. Um, Trump was talking about Putin's savvy and uh, speaking in what seemed like quite admiring terms of his tactical abilities. That was the latest in a long and uh, inglorious line of comments or, or moments that involved Trump that seemed rather craven toward Mr. Putin. Yes, and in that press conference in, I think it was Helsinki, Mm. where he was pathetically deferential Mm. to Putin, will stay in my my memory forever. And I don't have the best memory in the world, but nobody nobody who ever watched it could ever forget Mm. this president of the United States, the most powerful politician in the West, in the free world, Mm. really deferring, as you say, in a craven way to this gangster. Right, and and taking that gangster's word for it as far as Russian interference in U.S. elections was concerned, uh, taking Putin's denials apparently at face value. Yeah, and Just, questioning the, his own security services, right. saying maybe they'd got it wrong. Exactly, exactly. Basically taking Putin's word above that of American intelligence agencies, yeah. which was a, a remarkable stance for any American president to take. Now, Biden also met Liz Truss, mm. and before he did, Ms. Truss is the new British Prime Minister and her economic plans, which are spectacular, effectively are a version of trickle-down economics, which is associated with Ronald Reagan more than anybody. The phrase was invented. It involves taking large risks. And before they met, Joe Biden tweeted that he was sick and tired of people talking about trickle-down economics. They'd never worked in his view, and he wouldn't have any part of it. Mm. That may be, some people believe, may have been a reaction to being in row 14 at (laughs) Westminster Abbey. A broadsheet British newspaper suggested that this morning, that he was, there was a bit of humiliation going on there. But he was in row 14, behind the Polish Prime Minister and lots of other people Mm from the Commonwealth, as it happens. Uh-huh. And maybe this was this was before he met Ms. Truss. Mm. The serious business, of course, would have involved all kinds of things, including the Northern Ireland Protocol, which is damaging to Ireland. It's dangerous for Ireland. 
Do we know how they got on? Has there been any readout, as they say, from their meeting? There has been a readout, and I would say it has been quite uh, lukewarm at best, in the sense that uh, President Biden, as one would expect, apparently underlined the American commitment to the Good Friday Agreement, and beyond that, uh, the commitment to there being no so-called hard border in Ireland. Uh, As I say, that would be expected for lots of reasons, not only Biden's own sort of proud Irish-American identity, but also the fact that, you know, the US administration and the Democratic Party in particular um, is proud of the role it played in the peace process, sees the US as as a guarantor of that peace process. And that's a view that extends, for example, to Nancy Pelosi, the uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives, who's an extremely powerful figure, but not one with any personal Irish uh, heritage, at least to my to my knowledge. She's from an Italian-American family, if I recall correctly. So the whole point here is the US has uh, leverage because the British are eager to get a trade deal. Before that meeting between Biden and Truss, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, had said that any moves by the British to sort of trash the protocol would, in in, uh, Corinne's words, be not conducive to a trade deal. So, I mean, without saying explicitly that the British can get lost if they mess up the uh, protocol, that's pretty clearly the implication. And that seems to have led, as I say, to a... uh, lukewarm at best interaction between uh, President Biden and uh, the British Prime Minister. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Now, before we move on to Donald Trump, who appears to have had a not great week, <laughs> shall we talk about the Federal Reserve? They have raised the interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point, And that is a consequential matter, isn't it? It is. I mean, it is a consequential matter that has ramifications um, all around the world. I mean, obviously, hiking interest rates tends to slow economic growth. The backstory here is very simple. Um, The Fed underestimated inflation, underestimated the staying power of inflation at very um, historically high levels in this country. And they're now playing catch up, trying to get inflation under control. Um, Inflation is a very difficult thing to get under control without crashing the economy. You need to slow the economy without causing it to uh, go into a tailspin, go into a recession. That's what the Fed is trying to do at the moment. Um, Maybe it will succeed, but it is an extraordinarily difficult calculation to get right. Will it of its own affect the midterm elections in November? Inflation will clearly affect the midterm elections. When you look at opinion polls, inflation is typically the number one issue for voters. I have to confess, Eamon, I don't know in Ireland what the inflation rate is. I know it's very elevated in Britain. It's about 8% in Europe, and we come under that, you know. That banner. Yes, because uh, of the euro. I see. Got it. Well, in the US, it's approximately the same. It it was at its peak a couple of months ago when it, I believe, went slightly above 9%. It's now back at 8 and a bit. Um, And so that obviously is a serious thing. It's, it's broadly speaking, the highest period of inflation we've had here since the early 1980s. And, you know, I, I hear it myself from, from friends who are not particularly uh, interested or obsessive about politics, who, you know, go to the supermarket or, or, or fill up their cars and, and notice the extent to which prices have increased. Petrol prices, I should say, have begun to taper off, and that has helped Biden politically. But inflation and the related issues generally are certainly big issues coming into the midterms. Now, Donald Trump, and there was very bad news for him, arguably from New York Mm. yesterday, when he and three of his children are to be sued. The New York Attorney General Leticia James is her mm-hmm. name. She said she's going to sue him for alleged business fraud. This is to do with the Trump family company, which goes back a long way. There was a chap we talked about, Alan Weiselberg, who had served not just Donald Trump, but his father for a very long time. He was their accountant, and he's gone to jail, I think. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't sing, <laughs> and he, he stuck by the family. Now the three of them are being sued. I think it's a civil case rather than a criminal case. It is. That's correct. But they, there are enormous consequences in terms of fines and stuff, aren't mm-hmm. there? Oh, there are, absolutely. I mean, Letitia James, the Attorney General in New York, is looking for, uh, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars to be uh, repaid, essentially, that she believes were um, the benefits 
to the Trump organization of uh, of fraud of a kind. Just to put this in layperson's terms, what we're talking about here is allegedly uh, Donald Trump and his children and the Trump organization inflating the value of assets when it suited them, basically as collateral for bank loans. Yes. And there are all sorts of um, anecdotes in the legal filing by Letitia James, including in one instance where a, an office building that the Trump organization um, owned was valued by uh, professional appraisers at, I think, $200 million, whereupon the Trump organization just doubled that figure for other filings and decided that it was actually worth $400 million. Um, this is the sort of behavior that is alleged. We have to be clear and say that it is, of course, denied by Mr. Trump and by the Trump organization. It is not you're quite right, a criminal case, but it would have implications, not just financially, but in restricting uh, certain dealings of the Trump organization um, and and obviously where to go forward uh, expeditiously, um, it could complicate Mr. Trump's presumed presidential ambitions. And it could also make it difficult or, not, or maybe impossible for him to do business in New York, which That's is... Right. Mm-hmm. is basically where Trump Tower and mm-hmm. all of those wonderful buildings of his, or many of them, are. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It would restrict him quite severely in that regard and would therefore hit his earnings uh, power. There, there is, without getting into the entire backstory of this, Eamon, I mean, there's a, uh, there have long been allegations that Trump exaggerates his personal wealth he has been very sensitive to those accusations, has tried to sue people for libel and defamation and all of that. But suffice to say, there is and has long been a shadow over exactly how much Donald Trump is worth. Right. Um, it's a masterful understatement. <laughs> <laughs> now, the bigger and more serious, perhaps, certainly in terms of public interest, Trump's story concerns the documents that the FBI found in Mar-a-Lago when they had to raid it. I think it was August the 8th mm-hmm. or thereabouts. They got the documents and now Trump has been to the court, uh, to the courts. He he shopped around to find someone, a judge that he had appointed, and she obliged him by consenting to appoint a special master who would take some of these documents, some of which are labeled classified, others secret, and others top secret. And the FBI, she ruled, couldn't go through these documents until the special master appointed by her had been through them. The least maybe damage would be this would seriously delay the Department of Justice and the Attorney General from proceeding with the case. Merrick Garland is the Attorney General, somebody by all accounts that is universally respected, Mm. is impeccable in terms of doing his work, does not seek publicity, and is unlikely to be hasty and involved in any kind of scam. The special master, however, there's been a judgment this week, hasn't there? An important judgment to allow the FBI some leeway here. There has, that's right. That's the breaking news on this story. You have laid out the the 
basic gist of the story very well there, Yemen. The uh, most recent development, which is a very bad one for Mr. Trump, is that the Department of Justice appealed that ruling by the Trump-appointed judge. And it appealed it on a kind of a limited basis, saying that documents that it seized that were marked as classified, of which there are around 100, should not be subject to this special master review. And the government argued that the reason for that was documents marked as classified by their nature are not the private property of the president, whoever that president should happen to be. The big development just within the past uh, 24 hours here is that an appeals court sided with the government and against the Trump side. So the appeals court has now lifted the prohibition on investigators using the classified documents. Long story short, the appeals court held that not only the government, but by extension the American public, had a legitimate interest in investigating whether national security could or has been breached, and that that necessitated allowing uh, investigators access to those classified documents. The appeals court, by the by, was also pretty scathing of the argument that Trump has made, though his lawyers have avoided making it in legal filings, but Trump has made the argument that he declassified these documents. The appeals court uh, was unimpressed by that, said that there was essentially no evidence that that had uh, taken place. And one final point, Eamon, um, the appeals court, it was a three-judge panel, and in fairness, the appeals court that found against Trump contained two Trump appointees as well as one Obama appointee. Yeah, that would be somewhat reassuring about the links in America between politicians and appointments to court. Not that it doesn't happen Mm. in its own Mm. other more subtle way here, but we won't go there. Let me ask you about the significance of this particular case. I mean, I did see a story suggesting that if they were lying around in Mar-a-Lago, these documents, as they were, and there are photographs to back that up, lying around in not very secure places, that Mar-a-Lago would be a target for foreign intelligence services. Mm. And the other point, I suppose, is related. It's impossible to think of another president who would do this. And it, it should be said that he was asked on numerous occasions, if he'd given everything up that he shouldn't have, had. And he said, yes, I have. And there was always more stuff. And this is the, it's the more stuff that he didn't yield that's got him into trouble. That's right. And that, I think, is really the most important and potentially most uh, threatening legal point from his from his viewpoint. You see, the the fact that he was asked uh, in one instance under uh, subpoena to give up everything that he had that was classified or marked classified is of really vital importance because he it seems pretty clear that he did not give up such things and that that is what precipitated the FBI raid. Now that on its face opens somebody up to obstruction charges, whether it's Trump himself or his lawyers or people who were involved in sifting through those documents. Because 
to be subpoenaed by the government to produce something and to say, yes, here it is, that's all I have. And then the FBI raids your house and finds more of that stuff. Like, that's a serious position to be in. That's on its face, obstruction of an official inquiry or obstruction of a law enforcement investigation, a serious offence. Now, we'll have to see how uh, Mr. Trump and his legal team try to um, wriggle out of that. I I should just mention, Eamon, because you and your listeners might get a a kick out of it. Uh, Donald Trump was on being interviewed, and I use that term loosely, by Sean Hannity. On uh, on, uh, Wednesday evening. On Fox News. On Fox News, whereupon he claimed not only that a uh, president can declassify anything just by saying it's declassified, but, and this is a direct quote, even by thinking about it. So his his suggestion is that you can sort of mentally declassify documents without telling anybody and that your thought unexpressed that they are now declassified should carry the day uh, in intelligence circles and in courts of law. I think that is uh, unlikely to prevail in the courts, but I suppose we shall see. What did the esteemed uh, interviewer, (laughs) (laughs) how did he respond to that particular statement? He actually, even Hannity, I think, tried to move Trump on from that. There was certainly no uh, harsh interrogation that I saw, but I think there was a bit of an attempt to just uh, move along. A very final question before I allow you to get on with your weekend, Niall. Yes. And we're very grateful to you, as always. Is this stuff that we've been talking about for the last few minutes, both the New York stuff and this, is it damaging him? do we know to any extent with the people who will decide who will be, first of all, in the House and the Senate in a few weeks' time in November midterms, but also with those who will be voting in the next presidential election? There is some modest evidence that it is negatively affecting him. For example, there was a, a poll, and I'm, I'm going from memory here, I think it was an NBC News poll, that showed his favorability ratings at their lower lowest point in quite some time as he has moved front and center because of these matters. Now, we have mentioned before, Eamon, the famous or infamous Trump quote that he could go out and shoot somebody on Fifth yes. Avenue in New York and people would still vote for him. That is, I think, true so far as his MAGA base is concerned. Those people are not going to be uh, shaken loose from their support of Trump by no. anything. Um, I think with the general population, it has damaged his popularity to some extent, and his popularity with the general public has never been all that high. In fact, it's been really quite mediocre and continues to be. Um, So the question is between the Republican electorate and the general electorate. He remains the overwhelming favorite, if he runs, to be the 2024 Republican nominee, but he remains broadly unpopular with the public, and that in turn gives some more uh, strategic Republicans concerns about nominating him because they think he would be easier for Joe Biden or any other Democrat to beat than some other choices that are available to Republicans. Okay, now thank you very much indeed for joining us from Washington. That's Niall Stanich, who is Associate Editor of The Hill newspaper, a very respected newspaper, because it isn't as mad and partisan as many other 
media outlets in the United States. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.